Okay, before I bring uh, Leanne up to give a talk, I forgot one announcement um, that's super important, and then we can get into it. Um, at the end of our gathering together today, you're going to get an opportunity as you leave um, to sign up, if you desire, to be a part of a, uh, a course called Discovering My Spiritual Gifts. We've been talking about it throughout the last several weeks, and it's my personal goal for our church that Every single person does it. And that a, that's a great goal, isn't it? I don't mean like half. I mean, I want every single person to do it. Um, I think it's one of those deals that if you are willing to invest a couple of hours, and we got a couple of dates for you, November the 5th and November the 7th. That's a Sunday and a Tuesday. You can pick and choose. If you've got families, you, know, you can kind of work that out. But here's the goal, that if you're willing to give a couple hours of time to really concentrating and focusing on your spiritual well-being and who I am and how I'm gifted spiritually, I think what you're going to find is that you'll have no regrets, first of all. And secondly, you're going to feel better equipped to be able to do what God has called you to do. So please, I, I, short of begging, and if you really want me to, I will. But I'm asking you as you leave today to sign up for one of those two courses on Sunday, um, next Sunday after the gathering or on Tuesday. I would love for you to be a part of that. Um, I can't encourage you enough to do that. So as you leave today, um, please sign up for that. It's going to be taught by Mike and Sherry Meyer. You're gonna, they're awesome. That's all I'll say about them, and you're going to love that, and you're going to have a great experience if you choose to do that. All right. All right, so today is an extra, extra, extra special day. Um, uh, probably a year or so ago, we got the opportunity to have um, uh, John and Leanne Tamino to come, and we helped them out last year at Compassion Month in a brand new way. We were just getting used to their ministry, getting to know them a little bit, and over the last year, I would say that there was a uh, sort of a love connection, we'll call it, right? Um, we have engaged with their ministry in a powerful way. We've been able to do incredible things um, to help them out, and I'm proud to be, not like in a, oh, I'm proud, but I'm proud that, that as we as a community have rallied around their call and their ministry, because I believe that it's really an actively uh, being a part of the hands and feet of Jesus in a very, very powerful way, so I'm very proud of us. So here's what we're doing today. Um, they're venturing out into a new ministry. I'm not going to tell you too much about it, um, but but like I'd said before, Leanne Tamino is sort of the one spearheading this ministry, and so we're going to get the blessing. She's going to come today, and she's going to share with us mission and vision in her heart and from the Word and just explain how God has laid this on her heart. And also, my guess is there's going to be some other opportunities for us along the way to be able to connect with her ministry in a powerful way. And so with no more further ado, I'd like to uh, ask you to give a nice round welcome to Leanne Tamino. She comes to give our, our message today. Come and give her a talk. Okay, how's everybody doing? Good? I'm nervous. <laughs> Um, those of you who were uh, here in October of last year, I unfortunately did not get to come with John when he came, uh, but uh, I had heard that this congregation has a heart for people. And uh, when we were singing that song, Oh, Come to the Altar, the Father's arms are open wide. They're open wide for so many people, but they just don't know that it's open. And that's kind of where uh, LifeHouse began. Um, I've been asked to share with you what LifeHouse is. And in order to really understand LifeHouse, you kind of need to know the background of how it was born. Uh, John and I and Abigail, our 16-year-old daughter, live on the north side in the city of Syracuse. And we live at ground zero. 
We see drug deals. We see uh, young women selling their bodies to uh, people coming along, trying to pick women up. I've been in my own uh, driveway texting my daughter to hurry up to come out and have a guy try to pick me up thinking that I was a prostitute. This is the neighborhood that we live in. And all of this time that we saw these young women, we began to have a heart to help them. God has called in my father's kitchen, a wife and a husband, to come together to help those who are broken and feel invisible. And these ladies are a part of that. What happened uh, is that we discovered there is such a thing as called sex trafficking. Has anybody ever heard that before? Yes? Well, what is sex trafficking? It's when someone forces or coerces another to commit a sexual act to receive something of value. That could be clothing. It could be food. It could be uh, protection, because when you're out on the streets and you're a woman, it's a very scary place. It could be drugs. All of these women have a reason that they're out there. Nobody woke up one morning and said, hey, I'm going to be a prostitute. That'd be a great job. No one. So this is what sex trafficking is. It's a form of human slavery. And slavery has been abolished. Amen? By the blood of Jesus, it's been abolished. Amen? Hallelujah. There are so many variables when you decide that you want to reach out to these women. So many variables that you have to deal with. You have to deal with safety. You have to deal with uh, the men who drive around looking for these women. You have to deal with the men who have these women caught in addiction and pretty much is manipulating what they're going to do. It's kind of a dangerous situation, but God always has his arms open wide. And he's called in my father's kitchen to help these women. These women just aren't living in sin. They're entrenched in it. Uh, when people are trapped, it's not a comfortable place, but trap kind of gives you the idea that you can kind of get out of it with some help. But entrenched gives you the vision on the inside of you that it's not just stuck. It's in there. You're going to have to really, really work to get that person out of it. And this is what these women are in. They're entrenched in a life of sin. And that's pretty much like, how many of you guys made popcorn balls this year for Halloween? Well, my daughter and I, it was always a tradition for us to make popcorn balls. So this year, we were making them. And uh, God gave me a vision of Lifehouse in the sense that the popcorn ball is a lot like living in sin. There's those who see it and immediately run to it to put their hands in it because it looks good. Then there's those who cautiously go forward and maybe just test the waters to see how it is. And then there's those who put their hands immediately in the hot marshmallows and the popcorn, and they're immediately burnt. The thing is, is that the more you work that popcorn and that marshmallow, the more it sticks to your hand. And that's like sin. The more you deal with it, the more you're in it, it entrenches you and traps you. And you come to a point where you're like, oh, man, I really need to get clean of this. And for me, it was like everything I reached for became uh, sticky. 
that sin sticks to other things. So these women who try to get out of this on their own often find themselves back in the same situation. They feel as if there's no way out of this. This is the life, and there's no return for them. But just like with the popcorn, if you spray cooking oil on your hand, it slides right off. If you bring the blood of Jesus over sin, it washes away. And it washes away completely so that there is no memory of it in God's mind. When we run back to the Father and say, oh, Lord, I did it again. I, I told you that I wasn't going to do it, and I did it again. He's like, what did you do again? And our minds can't wrap around that because the enemy is constantly putting in front of us the vision of what we did and trying to condemn us, accuse us. And therefore, we think, well, I can't really be forgiven. I want you to know today, when you go to the throne room of God and you put the blood of Jesus on that sin, it is washed completely away. So don't allow the enemy to continue to cause that shame, that guilt on you. It's been washed away. And this is the dream that we have for these, chil these children. <laughs> I call them my kids. Basically, Romans 10, 14 tells us, how can they know if no one will tell them? And that's where Lifehouse was born. God has a plan for these women, and it's not for them to stay in this human trafficking. It's time to help them get set free, spirit, soul, and body. Not just get them out of the situation they're in, but free up their spirit so their minds are renewed and they see that they are valuable women. Now, the next thing that happened, we had the vision, basically, from where we live. The next thing that happened was God gave us a house. And as uh, Pastor Justin shared with you, in January... A family, a sous chef family, had uh, someone pass away, and they gave us the house. No strings attached. They told us we could use it any way we want to use it. Oh, that's great. Where's the house? Well, I can't tell you <laughs> because we're going to use that house as a safety zone for these women. So it's got to be kind of in an undisclosed location. Then the next thing that God gave us, he gave us the house. Now, he needed to give us what we were going to do in the inside of it, so he gave us a song. God impressed upon John a song by Jason Upton called In the Garden. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but I just want to read a few of the lyrics to you. It says, I want to build you a garden in a dry and desert land. I'm going to find a river there. I have seen a garden grow in a land filled with injustice. I have heard a mother's cry for her child to live again. I have seen a withered soul fall like petals on the water. I have watched a flower grow. Slowly rising towards the sun, no one knows what God has seen. As humankind destroyed this garden, with bleeding hands will plant the seeds, and he'll make all things new again. God will make all things live again. These women are that garden that need to live again, that need to grow again. The song helped us to see what was going to be happening in Lifehouse. When I say garden, what are some words that come to your mind when I say garden? Vegetables. What else? What was it? 
flowers. Okay, that's what it's producing, but what does it bring to you? What, what pictures do you see in your mind? Joy. Good. Dirt. <laughs> How about life? There's life. There's growth. There's nurturing. There's bugs. There's weeds that need to be weeded. And there is time. There is always time with a garden. You don't plant a seed and immediately it pops up. There has to be nurturing to that seed. So God gave us the vision of a garden through this song to remind us that these women coming to Lifehouse are that garden. Let's dig a little deeper with that picture of garden. When I say the word dig deeper, what does that bring to your mind? Work. Anything else? How about soil and roots? When you have a garden, you always have plants or flowers or vegetables that have roots. And what are roots for? Roots go down into the ground so that they can bring up the nurturing thing that is in the soil, the water, the food that that plant needs to grow, to continue. Well, these women are planted in unhealthy soil. They need to be tilled and set free. These women need to know that this is not their life forever. These women are trapped in thinking, I have to do this to survive. There's no way out for me. But I want to tell you that IMFK Lifehouse is a safe place to do some gardening. Matthew 15, 13 says this, And Jesus answered them, Every plant which my heavenly Father has planted shall be uprooted. Everything in you that is not planted of God will be uprooted. You don't have to worry anymore. It's going to be uprooted and taken care of. And it might be a stretch to you and a little uncomfortable to you, but the result is fresh-blooming, healthy flowers coming forth. The uprooting of this, of these women at Lifehouse, will only come through the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of people like you. Your hands put forth to love women who think that there is no love left in the world, that there is no care left in the world, and that they basically are throwaway trash. That's how they feel. Lifehouse is also a place of escape. I love that. Psalm 124, 7 says, We have escaped like a bird from the hunter's trap. The trap is broken, and we are free. That's our, that's our verse. It's going to be on the inside of the house. Well, Romans 6.23 tells us what? That the wages of sin is death. So when you think of death, what immediately comes to your mind? The grave. Lifehouse is a place for women who are pulled into that trap, entrenched in that trap of prostitution and sex trafficking that need to escape the grave of sin. Is basically what it all comes down to. The greatest, uh, I guess I would say, rewards and the greatest people who have uh, gone on and done what they needed to do in, in my father's kitchen have been those who have, as John say, have the Jesus factor. 
They're the ones who are living in their own apartments. They now have jobs. They now have income. One of our guys uh, just recently got married in July. He has his own car. It just works because when you have Jesus, there's a victory behind it. And we want to give these children a victory. Lifehouse is a place where we're going to see that the songs we sang were so what Lifehouse is going to be, where that grave is going to be empty. No more. They're going to be resurrected out of that grave. Um, I want to tell you a little story. And if you have your Bibles today, whether electronically or if you have it with you, if you could turn to John chapter 11. And we're just going to look at a couple verses here. And we're going to just look at John 11, verses 43 and 44. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, Jesus had a great friend. And his name was Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one day, Lazarus took sick. And Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. And they said, Lazarus is sick. You need to come. You need to help him. You need to pray for him. And Jesus went about doing what he needed to do and said, God will be glorified. Well, what happened? Lazarus died. And Jesus didn't run right back once he died. He waited a while. He went back and he said, God will be glorified. And what did he do? He walked up to that tomb And he prayed, and he said, Father, I thank you that when I pray, you hear me. When you pray, your Father hears you. And the next part, and you answer me. God answers you. Well, I don't hear his voice. He answers you. Sometimes we're so looking for the supernatural and look at for all the spectacular. I got to hear God's voice. I got to see this. I got to have a vision. When on the inside of us, we have that little stoplight saying, go, stop, up, wait a minute, be more cautious. But we won't listen to the inside voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us because we want the spectacular and we miss God's supernatural. We got to make sure that we just step forward and listen. And you have to have that confidence that when you pray to God, it's not just an open-air meeting with nothing going to happen. Some people, some Christians, don't even pray anymore because they feel like God doesn't hear them or God won't answer them. It brings the Father joy when your prayers are answered. So when you pray, you know you're right before the throne of God in your time of need. And you ask him, and what does it say? He will answer. Lord, save me, and I am saved. Lord, heal me, and I am healed. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And this is what it comes down to this story. So Jesus finally arrives, and he goes to the grave, and they're telling him, you know, Master, he's been in the grave for a while, so, you know, he pretty much stinks. He stinketh. And uh, Jesus just goes about doing what he needs to do. Sometimes when God calls you to do something, you just smile at people and say, thank you for your input, but you just go on and do what God has called you to do. So then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And nothing happened. Is that what it says? Are you out there? (laughs) 
And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, back in biblical times, these, uh, the Israelites would basically anoint uh, clo- cloth, and they would bind it around the person who had died, and they'd do it the day they died. They didn't wait. And uh, then they would cover their face. You know, you kind of have to think along the lines of mummies. where They didn't take out their organs. They left everything in. So when Lazarus comes out, he's like, you know, a mummy. He didn't just, you know, like jump out and start dancing around. He was like a mummy. He was bound in grave clothes. So what does Jesus say to those who are standing around? Unwrap him and let him go. The stench of death was on those grave clothes. And Lazarus was made alive, so he didn't need to have that stench of death on him anymore. He needed to be unwrapped. But Lazarus couldn't do it himself. His arms were bound. Who was asked to do the unwrapping? The people who were around, the friends and the family. Did Jesus do it? No, Jesus did his part. God does his part. We need to do our part. God is calling us to unwrap these women of their grave clothes. They're in that grave of sin, and they need to be set free. They need that stench of sin to be away from them so that they're not constantly smelling it and putting their head down and saying, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. Who does that unwrapping? You and I. This gives us a picture of the mission of IMFK's Lifehouse. It's a place where these women will receive help in untangling and unwrapping those grave clothes. It's a place where women learn to live again one step at a time. They're not going to come in there and we're instantly, okay, you got to get saved and you got to do this and you got to do that. They're going to come in and the Father's arms are going to be open wide. And those who are there are going to be anointed and appointed to love these women back into life, to call them forth out of the grave. So you might be saying, well, you know, how can I help? I I don't know that I would be really good to talk with women coming, you know, off the streets from sex trafficking. I don't know that I could do that. Yes, you can. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. You have God's love. And you might be, you know, a little nervous talking to someone, but as soon as you do, that love of God coming off of you into the, into the atmosphere will minister safety to these women. It will minister love to these women. They need to know that people see them, not as an object of value to receive something else, but as an object of priceless treasure just themselves with nobody else asking them to do anything. So how can you help? Well, first of all, you need to pray. If uh, we don't have anything in, in my father's kitchen without a foundation of prayer, because if you don't have prayer, you're building on sand, because you're building on your own strength and energy. And if you build something in the ministry without praying about it, guess who's going to have to maintain it? You are. You're going to have to maintain everything that happens. But when you pray and you get God's direction and you get God's purpose and God's plan, 
He's already gone before you to set the place for you. You guys are believing for a building. God's already gone before you and set the place where you're going to be. Amen? So we need prayer. Prayer for direction. Prayer for the staff. uh, Prayer for safety. We need to have an excellent safety uh, program in that house. We need to um, have a good relationship with the Syracuse City Police and with the court. Then also financially. We need to build this out, as Pastor Justin was saying to you. We need a budget. We need staffing. We need um, administrative things. Without the foundation of a budget, we're going to fall even farther down. It's going to cost about $20,000 to redo the house and make it livable and safe for these women. So uh, today, you have an opportunity to give. If you feel later on, in the year that you would like to give again, you can easily give online or you can mail us a check. And that's uncomfortable to say, but to do the things of God, it takes money. All right, finally, we, we got construction. Those of you who are skilled and can work with materials, or maybe you work somewhere where you can get materials for us. Maybe you work at JCPenney's and you can help us get curtains, or maybe you can help us get the mattresses we need. As the money comes, we'll begin to build out. And we will need skilled workers. And we'll, of course, keep um, in touch with Pastor Justin and Brian and letting them know when those workers are needed so that they can recruit for us and you guys can come into the house. And once again, let me remind you, if you worked in the house or you will work in the house, where it is located is not to be said out loud to everybody. It is a confidential thing because that's the only way these women are going to be safe. And finally, volunteering. Once we are ready to start gardening, we need some gardeners. Lifehouse will need men and women to cheer on these women in their progress and support them in their setbacks because there will be setbacks. Men, I want to encourage you, don't sit there and go, oh, this is just for the women. It's for you too, because these women need to understand the heart of a father so that they can know that God, their father, is not going to lie to them, is not going to cheat them, is not going to turn them aside if they do something that he doesn't like. His love will be constant. They need to see godly men of faith who will not go after them because they want to be sexually fulfilled, but they will stand there and wait for that woman to ask for help. It's so needed. So many people think, oh, this is a women's ministry. No, it's a body of Christ ministry. It's everybody working together. Finally, we need women who can help us unwrap those grave clothes, guiding them to discover that what, of course, they are priceless, just like you are in God's eyes that they are valuable, that God has a destiny for them to fulfill, that they weren't just put on this earth to be set aside and cast away, but they were put on this earth for God's purpose. And what does Jeremiah 29, 11 tell us? But that God's purpose is for our good and for our welfare and not for evil and destruction. And that's what Lifehouse is all about. Now we're on God's timeline for this. 
um, as the money comes in. But I hope that I have given you a vision to see where maybe you can fit in to help. Because once again, we can't do this on our own. We need the body of Christ to step up and get around those women and unwrap those grave clothes. We're believing for a lot of women to be unwrapped. A lot of women to come into the kingdom of God and their lives to be changed forever. I just want to close by saying we have our first woman who has been off the street now for two years, John. Just over two years. She is doing awesome. She has her own apartment. She's gotten back together to have a relationship with her children again. And she loves Jesus. You wouldn't need, I went downtown with her last, uh, last Friday. We went to coffee downtown. And she was a little skittish, thinking people are going to know who I am and expect things from me. But you would never recognize her. And she started to get more and more comfortable. And I was like, you're not the same person. And she said to me, that's right, because Angel is dead. That was her street name, Angel. She recognizes Angel is dead, and she's been raised to life into the wonderful, wonderful woman she is. And we thank God for that. And she's just the seed. There's going to be so many more, but we need people like you in the body of Christ to have a heart of compassion for those who've been entrenched and trapped, that they might be set free. Pastor Justin? Man, to think that was her first crack at that. Man, I... We <laughs> We could all thank you so much, Leanne. What a powerful, powerful, um, really, ministry that you're engaging in. So grateful that we could be a part of that. Um, every week when we gather together, if this is your first time, let me just explain. Every time we gather together, we take communion together. And we feel like it is a grounding place for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And every week, we, we truly try to follow the example that Jesus set forth. That is, when you get together, don't ever forget what I've done for you. And so we are... Really, the only thing we really are is we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. We sang about that earlier. And so we stop every week and say, hey, you know what pulls us all together, this group all together? It's Jesus and his willing to die on the cross for our sins. And so, um, so we take communion together every week. Here's how this works. We're going to pass around little pieces of bread, which represent his body, and little cups of juice, which represent the blood that was shed, which is just what he said to do. And we're going to offer you the opportunity to just be still for a moment, to stop, to think, to pray to be grounding yourself a little bit, to be communing with Jesus, to be reminded of what he's done for us. And so as you feel led, as you get your bread and you get your cup, uh, when you feel led after you've centered yourself and prayed or just really just had some quiet, you can take the bread and you can drink the cup on your own timing. And then we're going to do all that together, though, like as a whole. But each of us on our own timing, as God lays in our heart, we eat the bread and we drink the cup. And as a whole, we will have communing together with Jesus, just like he's asked us to do. And so I'm going to pray for us as we take communion that our hearts and our minds would be focused. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the words that were spoken today and, and all of that ministry of In My Father's Kitchen and all of the ministry of Lifehouse that is to come really is wrapped around the fact that you, Jesus, went to the cross and you died and you gave yourself up for us so that we could be forgiven and set free. It's all centering around this. And so as we take communion together this morning, as a, as a group of believers in you, Jesus, I pray that each of us would be strengthened 
that each of us would be reminded of your amazing love and forgiveness and we would fully invest ourselves more into you, into your kingdom, knowing that, that you have done all the work, that you've set us free and help us to live free lives. So, Lord, we, we thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and we give you glory and thanks in all ways for that. We pray all that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys, very, very much. How powerful is that? Well, this is a, a pretty big moment. Um, before we do that, Colin, would you come over here for just a minute? You can go. You can go have access. Yeah. Um, you might, you know, I am your commanding officer in church, right? So that's what it is. Uh, last week, we got a chance to hear from Colin. He shared his testimony. If, if you haven't got the opportunity, please um, check out our website. Go to our messages. We do have a podcast, and I think it's up and running. You get a chance to hear what God's uh, really an amazing thing that he's done in and through Colin's life. Um, he's in the Air Force. Short version is this, and so basically, he's going away. And so I wanted to just bring him up and thank him, because I don't know how, I know God brought you here, you have blessed us, you've ministered to us, I'm grateful for you, I don't know, my prayer has been and will be a God will bring you right back around here somehow, um, but um, I'm just so grateful. So I want us to pray for Colin and um, what God's got going on in his life, and as a, it's kind of like as a church, let's support him. As we leave today, make sure you wrap your arms around him. So let's pray for him and where he's headed. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. I'm so grateful for, for Colin. I love him so much, and I, I feel like, God, just um, you bringing him into our church, into our environment, into our congregation the way you have has been a, really an upliftment and encouragement, which is exactly what you desired. And I thank you, God, because you're getting all the glory for what you're doing in and through his life. I pray that, God, that he goes from here with his eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of his faith, that, God, that you would just control in every way, God, all the fears and anxieties as he goes forward to do whatever he needs to do, I pray that, God, you would just, just wrap him up in your love. We're grateful for Colin and his life. We thank you, God, for his story. And as the story goes on, I pray that, God, that his, his heart would be continually unfolded and just all to you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for Colin. Bless him as he goes. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Love you. Let's thank you. Thank you, Colin. All right, good stuff. All right, so I'm going to invite John and Leanne Tamino to come up. This is the most exciting thing I get a chance to do. Now, somebody gave me a check. What did I do with that check? So you guys responded um, to the call. Um, every year we do this, and we get a chance to be a blessing. To jo- And this year we get a chance to minister to... Uh, to them in that way. So thank you for your generosity in advance. Um, and so before we, like, no drum roll, but that's all right. We don't need it. But I do want you to know this. Um, you gave today more than we've ever given ever before. So you did it. You did it, right? So I'm not going to draw it out like they do in, like, American Idol, right? All right, so here we go, right? So, hey, all right, get your clapping ready. We were able to give today to In My Father's Kitchen a total of $6,293. That's almost a third of what you need to get it going. Almost a third. And we did it. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There, that, that like works. You know, take it to the bank. Yeah, that'll work. Um, but let's, um, let's stand together. And if you would, we're going to pray for them. See, here's how we're going to do this together. If you just kind of reach your hand out towards them. I'm going to put my arms on them, and we're going to pray uh, for John and Leanne and in my father's kitchen. Let's pray. 
Jesus, they are doing your work. John and Leanne have been commissioned by you. They have been called by you. And we get a chance to partner with them. And so, Jesus, we give over all of our love and our prayer and our support to them and their ministry. And for the days to come, we thank you for the generosity today. But, God, you're the one doing the work. You're the one who's making the difference in people's lives. I thank you, God, for what you are going to be doing. We, so we thank you in advance for John and Leanne and their ministry and where it's headed. Thank you, Jesus, that you have not abandoned us, that you have given us hope. And just like we learned today, that you are in the business of unwrapping us from our grave clothes and bringing us into new life. And we pray for all of the women, the hundreds of women, thousands of women that are going to be blessed because of this ministry. So Jesus, we thank you for this generous offering today. We thank you for John and Leanne. Bless them in their ministry as they go. This is all for you and to your glory. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, make sure you see John and Leanne before you leave today. God bless you. Have a great week.